0: O heavenly King, O Comforter of the Spirit of Truth, who art in all places and fillest all things, Treasury of good things and Giver of life, come and dwell in us and cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O gracious Lord. Amen. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be pleasing to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Just very briefly, as we get started today, you know when we began this journey in the series called the kingdom of god is near to us father both father james and i both said that he and i were going to take a very parallel journey and we were both interested even as we discussed doing this series how those parallels would intersect and illuminate one another and help each of us as well as all of you through everything that our lord was trying to show us and everything that father james has been sharing about the theologies of creation and recreation. And everything that that points to is what our existence in Christ is to truly be. And as I've been coming back around, it's looking and embracing all of that things. And I feel like my role is keep just pushing us towards Christ. Show us how very practically all the things that God is revealing to us we can keep stepping towards Christ to begin experiencing in our in our lives. I think we're going to find that today is no different than that in the way that this journey is, is taking us. And, you know, just reminding you of the purpose of this journey, as we said in the very beginning, it's to get out of experiencing Christ and everything that he offers in his salvation and his kingdom as that two-story distant universe that what's, Needing to happen in each one of our lives. There are things in our hearts that have to be healed to see what we've been talking about. And that's what we're going to look at today. There are things, there are different clutters in our lives that are keeping us from the experience of all that our Lord has been sharing with us throughout this journey. That God wants to exponentially lessen this distance of the experience of him and the most mundane things in our lives. And again, like we've always said, not just in the religious activities, that should be, but even beyond now to take the experience of the kingdom of God collectively that we have in this place where heaven and earth join together with no distance and to take it and that begin to manifest and have its way in the most common things that we do in our lives. You know, another way to look at a two-story existence collapsing into a one-story. I want to put a different sentiment on that because we've said that a number of times. I want to give you something else. And to get this, I'm going to ask you a number of questions that I, they're to be considered because I want you thinking about the answers to these questions. So that maybe we have another way to look at what our Lord is is trying to show us. So here's just a flurry of questions. I'm going to roll at you. As you live and go about your day, do you feel like everything that you see and experience with your senses? Okay, God gave us the senses and we experience everything in this life, no question, with the senses. That physical world all around us is your experience typically, think about this, is the physical experience of all of our senses with the physical realities pretty much sum up our existence on a day-to-day basis, that that's all there is. When we're doing the most, think about it in the most mundane activities, whether it is your job. I don't call it, jobs are important, but they're mundane, so to speak. They're repetitive. We're going through life doing things. We're vacuuming the house. We're doing the laundry. We're cooking. We're cleaning. We're feeding. We're doing all of these things parents do for their children and husbands and wives do, and individuals do. Is that reality pretty much relegated just to the physical? the things that we perceive with our senses. Let me go even further. I do want to bring into the picture for just a moment our worship experience. When you enter into that narthex, the moment you enter into that narthex, and you see the icons, and you see the crucifix, and you see that the candles lit for prayer illuminating in those places, and then when you enter into the nave and everything opens up to you, and you see the icons again, and you see the altar that is slightly elevated, and you see the incredible beauty of the gold of the crucifix and the tabernacle and the, the flame of the candles and the candlestands, not only illuminating things, but telling us something about God. You know, those two candlestands on the altar, don't ever forget, they tell us something. There's light coming from those two candles. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. And the reason there are two upon the altar is because God was fully, Christ was fully God and he was fully man. Even those things communicate. But when you see all of this, and when even you see the physical incense rising up and you see the vestments. And in the liturgy, we see the gospel literally physically play out in our lives. My question to you is this, is that all we see? The physical, the beauty of the physical gold, the gospel book coming forth, the beauty of the gospel book coming forth. Is this our perception of all that there is? So in our lives, in the daily round, in the liturgy, does the physical truly seem to be the bulk of what our experience is? That's the question. And it's one not just to consider in this room, even if I ask the questions, it's one to go and think about beyond this time that we have together. And I think it's a, it's very important to do so because I think our answer collectively, including the one who's talking right now, is perhaps yes mixed with too much no. Yes, we, I assume I should say too much yes mixed with no. That too much of our existence feels confined to all that we can see and touch and smell and be around with our senses. And our Lord so lovingly wants to shift that balance, to shift over to where all of a sudden all of these physical things created and manifest and the things that are around us and with these senses that we've been given, That a one-dimensional universe that we're so used to living on a daily basis all of a sudden opens up and takes our breath away because it's really three-dimensional. That there's something beyond everything that we can see, everything that we can touch and smell. And God wants to use absolutely every bit of it to reveal things to us both about himself and about his kingdom. Are you getting the picture? It's where we need to be stretched. And we also need to determine in our lives the most important question that I tell you guys constantly to be asking and seeking the Lord. If the reality is that our typical day-to-day is so confined to the things that are finite, the physical. One of the best questions we can ask God in our prayer life is, why is this so, Lord? Why is it? that I can't see all the things that you are truly wanting to show me in absolutely everything I encounter throughout the day. This is the blessed question we need to come to. Because the Christian experience in the kingdom of God, the physical illuminates, opens to us us and all of our senses, because God gave them to us. It is the physical things that open us to the fullness of the more true reality that's around us at every given moment. Scripture has, is chock full of talking about how every physical thing in creation declares something of God and his kingdom all through Holy Scripture. Even St. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, listen to what he wrote and taught to the church in Rome. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Listen to this for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. What's He saying? St. Paul is saying, don't you understand that even when creation was created, God created it so that man could enjoy him through it. So that man could see him. So that God had many ways to reveal himself to his precious creation through all that he had created. Listen to those words again. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by or through the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead he created everything to show himself to us we have a god who is totally and has always been since the creation of all things invested in one thing know me i want my creation to know me because i know by knowing me my creation is truly what i created them to be This is what he's speaking. Listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 19. The heavens, he's talking about the stars, everything we can see. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day to day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their sound has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. I want to read to you four fathers who spoke about what I just read to you. I'm going to read you just consecutively. Four fathers who talk about how God is revealed through all of the physical. There is much more to be seen, to be comprehended, to be drawn towards God by everything we see and experience throughout each day. The first one is this, St. Theodore of Seir. He said, if you observe a most mighty and magnificent building, you admire the builder. And if you see a skillfully and beautifully designed ship, your mind thinks of the shipwright. And at the sight of a painting, the nature of the painter comes to mind. Much more to be sure does the sight of creation Lead the viewer to the Creator. is that beautiful? St. Leo the Great says, All nature serves the Word of God for our instruction. What is there through which the truth does not speak to us? Its voice is heard in the day, it is heard in the night, and the beauty of all things established by the work of one God does not cease to put into the ears of our hearts a ruling order to let us see the invisible things of God through those things which have been made intelligible to us. And it is subject not to the creatures, but to the creator of all things. St. John Chrysostom, how do the stars, how does the firmament declare it? Voice have they none, mouth they possess not, no tongue is theirs. How then do they declare? By means of the spectacle itself. For when you see the beauty, the breadth, the height, the position, the form, the stability thereof during so long a period, hearing as it were a voice and being instructed by that spectacle, you adore him who created a body so fair and strange. The heavens may be silent, but the sight of them emits a voice that is louder than a trumpet sound. Finally, St. John of Damascus. The heavens show forth the glory of God not by speaking in an audible voice but to sensible ears or excuse me, an audible voice to sensible ears but by manifesting to us through their own greatness the very power of the creator. And when we remark of their beauty we give glory to their maker as the best of all artificers. I want you to make no mistake about something. What they saw Those words came from men who took time in their lives every day to sit before God, fellowship with Him, and contemplate Him. That's how these things were revealed to them. That's how they learned to experience God and His kingdom beyond a one-dimensional existence and into this incredible, wondrous, three-dimensional and beyond experience They sat and they dwelled with God and they thought upon him. They set their hearts upon him. They offered their lives to him. And he began to reveal through all of his creation, all of the things they spoke about that the psalmist voiced all the way back then in the history of the Hebrew people. So that question. Why do we seem so stuck? in a one-dimensional experience, not seeing all that is truly around us, not letting everything around us reveal Christ and his kingdom to us. I really believe that a lot of the answer, not all of it, but a lot of the answer comes down to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ that he spoke on the Sermon of the Mount and when he gave the Beatitudes. Listen to one line of our Lord's preaching to the people. and revealing the truths of the kingdom of God. Say Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. For what? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know what that verse stresses to us? It stresses to us that the primary organ in our being the primary part of the human creation that beholds God in his kingdom is not our eyes. The primary organ that receives the revelation of Christ and seeing him is the heart. And that heart, by the way, it's not the thing that beats in our chest that makes blood go through our veins. That very same word, we're talking about the noose. We're talking about the soul, the mind, all these things within us. This is what we're talking about. Blessed are the pure there. The noose, the soul, the fountain. Some of the fathers call the noose the fountain and throne of our thoughts. And I think that's beautiful. Our thoughts being enthroned within us, you see, in the noose. The place from which comes our affections. Our desires, right? Jesus said, most blessed are those that are pure there. Most blessed. This word blessed, I can't, even I have taught on that word so many times, and I'll still live in eternity trying to figure out the depth of blessed that Jesus says. Most blessed are those of the pure in heart, for they will see God. When the heart becomes pure and pure over time, that's when the wonder opens up to us. And by the way, it's by Christ's handiwork all along that he's purifying our hearts, but we have a part relationally to play in this in seeking him to show us where it's filthy, where it's dirty, where it's smudged, so that as he reveals, we give the things he revealed to the healer, and all of a sudden we see more clearly than we did the day before, and we see more of the kingdom of God and more of Christ in the most mundane things in our lives, by those things. Let me give you another example. One of the, one thought came to my mind. You know, most of y'all who have known us for quite a while know that my wife's family lives in eastern Tennessee and one of our favorite places to go with that family with my wife's parents and her brother is to go to the border of North Carolina and eastern Tennessee in those beautiful mountains. And we get a cabin there. And when I was thinking about blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, and everything that those previous fathers that I read that they said they saw in creation, my mind went to the cabin. Now, this isn't a perfect example, but follow me. I think you'll get you'll get the parallel. So I want you to picture a cabin out in those woods. Now, outside of that cabin, now some of you go to different places. It doesn't mean you don't have to experience eastern Tennessee with me, but you go to places of beauty where there's beauty in creation. I want you to picture that and you're in a cabin. Now, let's pretend you're inside the cabin, but there are no doors. So don't play around be saying, I can go out the door and see the creation. Just follow me for a second, okay? And there are windows that should allow us to see the beauty all around us. However, there's a problem. I'm sitting inside and every one of those windows, I can't see anything outside because it's smudged with dirt and filth that needs to be cleaned off. Now here's the truth, on the outside of that cabin, the beauty is reality, isn't it? There's no question that the beauty is there to be seen, present with me. But if that window is smudged, I am going to be limited to see what is right before me and what is right before me alone. But if I take time, and diligence to clean and repair that window. Even one swipe of the clean cloth opens the door to experience of seeing what I could not see before, even this much. And that's enough to make me want to keep wiping the window. Capturing just a little bit of that beauty, I have to keep scrubbing. I have to keep scrubbing. My friends, this is precisely how this works within the soul of mankind and our experience of God and his kingdom. Our hearts, our souls, the noose within us is muddied up and it's smudged by our constant giving ourselves over to the deceptions and the distractions of the world that we are in. Certainly the ones that Satan wants to use the physical equally to distract us from God and use the mundane for the same. It's also muddied up by the very choices we make in this life, which end up putting further dirt and further mud and even breaking the window sometimes by the choices that we make. And also by the lack of decision to come to a Christ who wants to fix the window, who wants to aid us in cleaning it because he's dying to show you what's behind What's, I should say better yet, what's through the window. Hmm? And there's only one way for our eyes truly to be open to all of the things that are really around us that we have yet to behold. But I really believe our hearts are primarily yearning to see. And it comes from something I said in the sermon two weeks ago that has stuck with me, and I've looked at it a little bit more. Actually, two things. That simple children's song that we have sung At least most of us, most of our lives, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. But remember what seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness means. To seek his righteousness actually is to seek the healing of our noose. To seek the healing of our souls. To have him reorder those disorders inside and when he reorders them and shifts them and makes them as they always were to be more in his likeness, all of a sudden, now all around us, I am seeing things that I have never seen before. And I can attest to that, and many of you can attest to this in your own lives, but I can attest to this 20 years ago in my life. How much more I see through the window of all around me, And I have so much more to go to see even more clearly and to see more wonders of the kingdom of heaven. But in my relationship and my walk with him, by his faithfulness to bring me to those spots to clean off and help me clean them. As the nooses set free, the experience of the kingdom of God becomes more and more overwhelming to the Christian. And this is what we're after. And I mentioned to you two weeks ago, even mentioned it a little bit in the sermon today, Every time I mention the woman with the issue of blood, it doesn't let go of me for two or three weeks. There's always more that God wants to show me about this blessed woman in that situation. And just as a very quick reminder, this woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, anemic and weak, she knew her illness. And she, for again, something had revealed to her that the only hope she had is to get to Jesus so there's at least that revelation in her life so much so that she presses through the crowd and when she presses through the crowd weak as she is and touches the hem of her garment the power goes out of Christ into her and her body's reordered her body is completely reordered and i tell you that whole process that i see that i just described to you with the woman with the issue of blood is the means by which our windows get clean the window of our soul I'm going to ask you some more questions based on what I just shared with you. Have you come to a place where you have allowed Christ, not only allowed Christ to show you the illness of the soul, but have you come to a place where you embrace it as his truth? There's a big difference between Christ showing me something and my coming into agreement with him over what he's shown me. That I see an illness in my soul that is keeping me from everything you want to grant for me, part of my salvation in the kingdom of God. Have you come to a place where Christ has shown you your own illness? And secondly, from the experience in your life of the illness within your own soul, have you gotten that beautiful, authentic desperation that this woman had? That she would do anything, anything to be healed of it. See, that's the second part. The third part is this. Do we really believe in this area of our life? Believe and trust that my only hope to be delivered from this illness is Christ my God, the Word of God. He's the only one that can reorder all of this. And finally, do you even perceive before you the crowd that's in your own soul? What's the crowd that we have to push through to touch the garment of our Lord Jesus Christ? All of the distractions, all of the voices within us telling us things that are not truth, keeping us from Him, things that if we are going to get to Christ and touch His him, we're going to have to press through. Only God can illuminate those things in your life. and your crowd is going to be different than my crowd. but it's a crowd to be pushed through. Our whole Christian life and existence, the way to the noose being cleaned and all things becoming clear and the window opening up to where I can now see things I could never see before and experience things I could never experience before is going to come through that process for each one of us where our souls can perceive things we've never been able to before. You know, in Advent, And what does that look like, by the way? When our Lord begins, when we have that cleansing done to the windows of our soul, we begin to see things clearly. Every year in Advent, another one of my meditations, and you'll remember this if you've been here for a number of years, because every now and again I'll mention it actually on the first Mass of Christmas. One of the most beautiful scenes where God's creation, human creation, all they're seeing is the physical, and then all of a sudden, they're not just seeing the physical occurs around this time. And as the shepherds then were out in their field by night, watching their sheep, listen to that gospel reading from St. Luke in chapter 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now listen to what happens. It keeps happening. It keeps going further suddenly there was with the one angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising god saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace good will i want you to see the progression for these blessed shepherds initially before the angel came it was at night with their flocks what did they see what did they perceive what things would they perceive with their senses Stars. Stars, maybe some clouds, moon. huh? Moon. The moon. Cold. They would perceive the cold, darkness. darkness, and yet all around them the terrain, to the best that they could see it at that point. You know, Israel is a very mountainous mountainous region. There's a lot of hills in that area near Bethlehem. They could have seen some of that by night. All of those physical things. But let me ask you a question. At that same time, while they're seeing all those physical things, is that all that there really was? Obviously not. Obviously not. The incarnation had come. And the first thing that happens is an angel appears to them in the midst of all the physical. And not only that, with the angel, did you hear it? The glory of God shone all around them. Well, they're not just seeing the moon and the stars and the clouds and the land and the fire if they had one they're seeing a whole lot more and that wasn't even all that was around them then they go further and all of a sudden it's it's really as if the way that i keep thinking, i've expressed this before but i love this picture it, it's meaningful to me it's as if a person is looking at a stage and there's a curtain drawn where you can't see what's all currently existing behind the curtain. But all of a sudden the curtain gets pulled and it gets pulled some more and you see everything that is actually existing all around you at one time. Do you see that? This is what we're after. This is what we're after. St. John of Damascus, he wrote this hymn for epiphany listen to the words heaven and earth are united today for christ is born i got to go back heaven and earth are what united today for christ is born today god has come upon earth and humankind gone up to heaven Today, for the sake of humankind, the invisible one is seen in the flesh. Therefore, let us glorify him and cry aloud, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace bestowed by your coming, Savior. Glory to you. Today in Bethlehem, I hear the angels. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to him whose good pleasure it was that there be peace on earth. The virgin is now more spacious than the heavens. Light. Has shone on those in darkness, exalting the lowly who sing like the angels, glory to God in the highest. And listen to this. What lyrics the Holy Spirit gave him about this. Beholding Adam, who is in God's image and likeness, fallen through transgression. Jesus, seeing Adam like that, Jesus bowed the heavens and came down. Do you get that image? Jesus literally took everything, the kingdom of God in heaven. Seeing Adam fallen, that's you and me. Seeing Adam fallen, he literally, the word of God, bowed heaven to come to earth. There is no distance between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. Christ in himself bowed it to us and for us. Those words are gorgeous. with the eyes of our heart cleansed, my friends, and our hearts becoming more pure over. And this is something, by the way, this happens throughout our entire walk with Christ in this life. Only then will everything that Father has been saying, I've been saying, and we've been discussing and pondering in our hearts become a reality in our lives. Do you see this? Give me some questions and thoughts. Brandy?
1: Stepping back to the the observations of the fathers in scripture about God being in creation, (coughs) scientists today working at the very edges of modern physics are finding the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's still being seen today Mm -hmm. by the great mind that they're coming to the edge of scientific knowledge and saying, they're seeing the creator. Yeah, at the edges because they're coming to the, the edges of what we can do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's it's not just in our common reality; it's at the very frontiers of reality. Yeah.
0: Very good. Yeah, Gary.
1: So, how would I, how would I, make uh, let, uh, let my, make let my heart wanna like disconnect from, I guess, from these. You said this crowd, like mm. heart, like from these. These uh, false lovers that I, uh, because I'm so connected with them, that's what I love. That's right. Why do I disconnect them and love Christ? So I can have
0: that that heart. Two things let's understand the author and finisher of our faith is Christ. Which means the only way we even see specifically enough to bring something to God is that Jesus has to show it to us within ourselves. We do not have the spiritual insight of the mind of God naturally over why is it that this crowd's in me to begin with. And, Lord, what specifically is this crowd that I need to push through to touch you? It begins from that fellowship with him. It begins from asking him, I said in the the beginning, the greatest question I will always push all of you to is to seek the Lord on why. Why am I like this? Why is it that I have these deficiencies? Why do I have these patterns in my life? These things that I've attached my heart to, right? The beginning and the end is in that fellowship with him. And now remember this, my role, a priest's role, also those who who love you all around you, that are spurring you on in the faith, is to help you see things you couldn't see. Help you find ways to, to get to that fellowship where those things can be told to you by Christ so you see them clearly. Then the next process in that is, all right, Lord, now I see them. How do I get to you? You push through. So these answers will come specifically. God shows me. I'm God told you I'm struggling in Advent this year. And I said, it's not just because my struggle in Advent, it most certainly is I am suffering with people who are suffering right now. There's no question. But I also have my own suffering. Because I'm at a point, Gary, where you are right now, that these first two weeks, all I know is there's something wrong in a certain area of my life but I've not had illuminated to me yet. What is it specifically? And how, Lord, do I bring it to you? But I know it's there. I've got the discomfort and the pain within me like you're feeling. Don't be impatient with Christ who's not impatient with us. Keep in the game, keep in the prayers, keep in this relationship with me and all those who love you, it will come. God is so faithful. Probably one of the reasons I've not seen it yet is my heart's not ready to see it yet and endure whatever it is. And our Lord's preparing me for that and strengthening the insides of me to comprehend so that I can be healed. My guess is that's probably where you are right at this second. Please do.
1: Based on what you just said, sometimes some of us get a delayed answer we need to learn to be persistent in the practice of the faith while we wade through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, I was certainly one of those. And I had situations where I asked God for something, and for years, there was nothing. For years. And I look back now, and I know that I needed to be, I was too lax with myself, too soft with myself, and I personally needed that kind of delay. So I'm not saying that's your case, but. There is a lesson to be learned even in that that opens our eyes to God. So we need to be open to that. That's why we have said here from the beginning we need to take what we learned here and let it germinate. The whole of the faith is like this. We must let it germinate. Sometimes it will be years before things will, lights will go on. on. Yeah. Now I remember something somebody said to me 25 years ago and they finally got it. You know, And, and then the whole vista of God opens up to us. Uh, God is not, not on a time scan. He's not... In a chronological fix, like we are, we are in eternity, and we're entering into eternity, so we have to let time go yeah, yeah.
0: be patient and wait. So. You know the intricacies of your soul, my soul, all souls. We can't fathom the intricacies that Christ sees, and that's what it, it that's, that's abs- all the waiting you're hearing about, it's really waiting upon Christ, who is faithful, and He will reveal it. He will reveal it in time. Hold on for dear life. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it, Gary?
1: Yeah. I think, um, Father, that I have to remind myself and remind friends of mine as well that it's on God's time schedule. Not one of them. We can't demand if yeah. we ask yeah. to follow and be patient yeah. because he has a schedule. And unfortunately,
0: we don't know what it is. Yeah. We just have to be patient. Have y'all ever... I think we'd all probably attest to this, but I ask it out loud just for our own comprehension and consideration. Have you ever been through an incredible time of suffering in this life? Okay. Have you ever noticed that at the beginning of the suffering that throughout it, your authentic desperation to be delivered grows? That's our Lord Jesus Christ at work. Using suffering to turn even suffering on its head to draw us to himself authentically now not just because we're hurting it's not enough but to have to touch him in our hurting yeah charismatic despair is what he said that's a theological term very much so very good yeah sharon father when 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 a person has you, you have despondency in your life and and you're, you're you're trying to find
1: Christ and go there, but but like you're saying, if, if you like this just isn't working for me, I'm going to quit. Yes, you will fall into a despondency
0: from which there's no escape because there is nowhere else to go. Right, and so that by holding on, deliverance will happen. Yeah. and it won't yes. be the deliverance you're expecting, but it'll be better than that. And more peaceful than than you know the peace that passes understanding is very underrated as a statement but it's greater you've got the peace that passes understanding and you've got the the experience of the deliverance of the lord your god you know when you're talking about that the despondency and and the choice to to hang on my mind always goes to Job. Remember that series we did, God in the Midst of Our Suffering, that we went through all of that with Job? Job's elongated and incredible suffering. Again, it's just that same thing. That the, the thing that Job never did was abandon God and the hope of God. And even when he was, there were fractures in that faith starting to happen towards the end after all that he'd been through, he still stayed on that dance floor, right? He still hung on for dear life, and he experienced the absolute redemption and deliverance of God out of the suffering. We experience that by hanging on, by that, that great holy patience that only comes from grace, only possible by his own group. We can't even hang on to Jesus without Jesus. You know? It's true. You can't
1: cook a brisket in a microwave.
0: <laughs> Lord have mercy, no.
1: <laughs>
0: Wisdom, let us attend.
1: <laughs>
0: that's right. That's just incredible truth in that. Very good. Please, please.
1: <coughs> ago at St. Benedict's, um, we had a lull uh, in terms of the growth of the parish. And for over three years, we did not have a single visitor to the parish. Three years. Everywhere else, Orthodoxy was booming. Uh, and I got just really depressed. I mean, I was down as far as you could go. And, and I thought it was because of me. I, I, I blamed me. And I uh, Finally, one day, I went into the church and said my daily office. Uh, and I, at the end of the office, I walked up to the altar, and I had it out with God. <laughs> God and I have had it out a few times. I've always <laughs> lost, I must assure you. Uh, but I, that's okay. Uh, that's the nice thing about the Job story. is the fathers tell us, it's a good thing because Job was willing to stay in there and be persistent with God, even though his basic premise was wrong. Um, and he came to understand that at the end. But So I was there, and I stood at the altar, and I remember this so vividly, and I just said, you know, God, if I'm the problem, get me out of here. I'll quit. I'll resign. Get somebody in here who can do the job. It's This is too important for me to be in the way. Tell me what to do. And there was a long silence. I called, I called God, this part of God, the great silence. Because you, know, you, you beg, and you plead, and you do all kinds of things, and there's just nothing. So I was standing there and I waited and waited and all of a sudden a little voice inside me said, do you remember what Ignatius Loyola said to do in desolation? And I said, yes. And then I reiterated the three points. Persist or or be patient, increase your devotions slightly, and persist in patience and persist in prayer. Those three things. And and I, I said them out loud. And inside, my, the voice said, well. <laughs> so I thought, all right, I got it. I don't need to be hit on the head to understand what God just spoke to me. <laughs> so we went back and kept saying my prayers and doing my duty. And it was hard. Uh, it, but eventually one day, and this is kind of interesting, sort of maybe this was always on my mind, but I had a dream. And in the dream, uh, I, I, people were flocking to the church and we were trying to get the service started, and I couldn't get my vestments on. Oh, no. So I have a nightmare. It's either I can't find my place in the altar missile, or I can't get my vestments on time, and all of you are waiting, and I hate to be late. So I had this dream, and people were flocking to the church. A lot of the people who had left were coming back. So yeah, I didn't think anything. Else. I thought it must have been the pizza I had the night before, you know, so I don't, I don't give much credence to dreams, but I don't discount them. I just don't give much credence to them. So anyway, uh, shortly thereafter, several families who had moved away came back to Wichita Falls. Nobody comes back to Wichita Falls. (laughs) (laughs) They came back. We had some visitors for the first time in three years. And I thought, okay, now I see the picture. Now, I don't recommend that for anybody. But this guy needed that lesson. I needed that lesson to be a good Christian, to be a good priest. So, the only way I could have gotten it was to stay with it and persist through as I was told. But I was lax and lazy. You know, the Irish, they're all lazy. Uh, So, I I just didn't want it all handed to me on a platter, which I would not have been able to handle. So, I'm glad this large parish, he gets all the burdens and I get the fun part. All
0: right, sit down, Father. this talk is really a a unity we're all on this journey guys and i've been watching and and in my meetings with you you know as as you've come and met with me and shared things i'm I'm blessed by the journey but i'm going to tell you there is uh there is a desperation in me um i voiced years ago but again we talk about desperations continuing when they go unfulfilled and and my desperation is to have the existence of the fathers that I read to you, but, but to have that existence amongst us all, that this parish, all of a sudden the windows go clean and we can see what's really around us all the time. That, that would bring me um immense joy that we are all experiencing truly what Christ has bowed the heavens to let us experience. Let's stand in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you all.